I'm Howard Prime, Chief Medical Officer of Startup Health, and I'm so excited to have with us Dr. Joshua Schiffman. We've had a chance to sit down and talk a little bit uh, about some of the things that you're working on, and I just wanted to take a moment, sort of let everybody uh, know a little bit about your background, share with them sure. how you got into cancer and why, why you're so passionate about it. Everyone has a story that motivates them, and my story really began when I was 15, when I myself was diagnosed with a pediatric cancer with Hodgkin lymphoma. And uh, after that, Howard, I said, you know, when I grow up, I, I want to become a doctor and take care of kids with cancer just like the doctors took such good care of me. So you had this experience of being diagnosed with cancer and thank, thank God cured. Yep. Um, how did that change the way your life sort of played out as far as what you wanted to do and, sure. uh, and, and your training? Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. After, after that summer of cancer, the summer I call R&R, rest and radiation, I uh, said, you know what, I'm, I'm through with medicine. I never want to step foot in a hospital ever, ever again. But a few more years went by and I thought, you know what, maybe there's something I, I have through this experience that, that I can give back, that I can help take care of other kids with cancer and, and benefit from my experience. Yeah. Now, initially, throughout my training, I was very focused on, on humanism in medicine, spirituality in medicine, even palliative care. How do we sit with a dying child and their family? But while I was training, I also began to get exposed to the world of genomics. I was at uh, Stanford, right in the middle of this, this biotech explosion, this revolution, and began to learn a little bit about how genomics and DNA and personalized medicine could be translated to the patient. So I began to become fascinated, Howard, with how does technology, how does innovation inform patient care? I think one of the most profound things that, that I heard you say earlier was that you didn't want to be the, the, the type of doctor that had to sit with a patient and hold their hand and give them a right. diagnosis. You wanted to just cure the yeah. cancer. That, that's absolutely right. So throughout my training and as, as uh, you know, this biotech revolution was, was going on, I began to think more, like others, about Gee, wouldn't it be great, instead of actually treating cancer, could we figure out a way to prevent cancer? As, as a pediatrician, it's all about prevention. I'd rather prevent disease than treat disease. So suddenly, in my career, my focus really shifted between taking care of patients at the end of life to how could we avoid them even getting in that situation in the first place. Right. And so, what was your thought process? Because you came up with a very interesting and unique way of thinking about cancer. And, and, and as you mentioned before, it's not about figuring out and studying the animals or the, or the, the cancers that occurred frequently, but less frequently. That's, that's exactly right. So uh, I moved about eight and a half years ago, like you said, to Huntsman Cancer Institute at the University of Utah. And there, my expertise and specialty really was on uh, cancer genetics, so familial inherited cancer. Who's getting more cancer in their family and why? And we also, in the lab, began to become very fascinated with animals that were getting more cancer, like, for instance, pet dogs. Now, I'm a dog lover, as I know you are too. Absolutely. And we would never give cancer to dogs, but when pet dogs developed cancer, we began to study it with colleagues and wondering, why are these dogs getting more cancer? What, why do dogs get cancer at 11 times the rate of, of people? What, what are the genetics there? And like most people, again, very focused on Who's getting more cancer, people, families, or dogs, and what can we do about it? And then, several years ago, I was at a conference where I learned that elephants, surprisingly, almost never get cancer. So here was an animal, a magnificent large animal, we've all seen elephants, Absolutely. 100 times as many cells as people, 
hundred times as many cells dividing over and over, decade after decade. Elephants live 60 or 70 years, and yet they almost never get cancer. And that conference, they were discussing that, and, and one of the speakers said, well, they looked at the genome of the elephant to try to understand this. And instead of two copies of a gene called P53, a gene that you and I both have that protect us from cancer, and even so, did you know, Howard, half of all men and a third of all women will get cancer throughout their lifetime? Yeah. Can you just say that again? Because yeah. that is a staggering it, statistic. It's, it's amazing. Half of all men and a third of all women will get cancer throughout their lifetime. And it plays out between us, you and me. I've already had my cancer. Hopefully you're I safe, I right? Know, yeah, you you get that. Oh. Statistically. Whew. But that's a lot of cancer. But now elephants, right? Again, we were talking about this earlier. Baby elephant born at 300 pounds grows to over 10,000 pounds in less than 10 years. Yep. Growing that quickly, that much cellular mass dividing over and over again, all elephants should be getting cancer. But if they were, if all these baby elephants were getting cancer and dying, they would go extinct. And of course, extinction is not a good strategy for survival. Not at all. So this speaker at this conference several years ago mentioned that they looked at the genome of these elephants, and instead of two copies of this gene called P53, which protects us from cancer, elephants have evolved, ready, 40. 40 copies of P53. I mean, is there any other animal that has None. that much None. P53 expression? No. I fell out of my seat when I heard that. And it, it was like a light bulb. Staggering. It was staggering. And this gets to your, your question of, well, why this sort of change in thinking? And it really was this sort of out-of-the-box aha moment for me, whereas instead of focusing all our efforts in the field on who's getting more cancer and why and what can we do about it, what if, Howard, what if we looked at those animals that nature has already protected from cancer and figured out how they're doing that and see, can we apply that to people? Makes sense. It absolutely does. So at this conference, I was able to talk to this person, and, and he got very excited. I got very excited. He, he said, well, how are we going to test this? And I said, well, what if we could get some elephant blood and bring it to the lab, and we could test it right next Which to my... Which has got to be easy to come oh, by. Oh, of course. You know. no, we, yeah. In fact, he said, well, this is a great idea. How are you going to get the elephant blood? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, well, call me if you ever figure it out. Right? Well, through a series of different circumstances, I, I found myself at the zoo locally in Utah with my kids, and we learned that they actually draw blood from their, their elephants once a week to make sure they're healthy. And so we were able, Howard, to study that blood and figure out that these extra copies of the P53 gene that elephants have, we call it elephant P53 or EP53, are protecting the elephants from cancer. That they are actually causing more cell death, more apoptosis in cells, in elephant cells, than human cells. And, and, and it got even more amazing when we started working with Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus. And they have the largest herd of Asian elephants in North America. Wow. Everyone teamed up, working together, supporting us to try to understand this phenomenon of why aren't elephants getting cancer, or, or rare, they get some cancer, but it's not that often, but why are elephants rarely getting cancer, and how can we translate this to people? Like we said, Howard, I want to prevent cancer rather than treat cancer. I want to put myself out of business. So now that you have this discovery, how are you translating that into a possible treatment and a, and a possible cure? You know, here we are at Startup Health Festival. You know, it's a festival that's celebrating innovation, change. We're trying to change the health and well-being of everybody on the planet. 
what, where are you going to go from this? So we have this this unique, great discovery. Now what are we doing? Right. So it's all about translation and personalized medicine. About a year and a half ago, I found myself in Israel, and I was giving a talk, and I didn't realize in the audience was a brilliant, brilliant chemical engineer who works with nanotechnology. He develops nanoparticle therapy. So nanoparticles are these small, lipophilic little particles less than one one-thousandth the size of a human hair. Enough nanoparticles, Howard, in a teaspoon to hit every cell in the human body. And Dr. Schroeder, Dr. Schroeder was in the audience listening to me talk about this cancer-fighting protein that the elephants had evolved, and he wrote down on a piece of paper, need to meet Dr. Schiffman to learn more about the elephant P53 and how we can put it into our nanoparticles. And then he spoke, and without meeting him, I wrote down on a piece of paper, need to meet Dr. Schroeder to learn more about his nanoparticles so we can put our elephant P53 in it. And after the conference, we met and we started talking and we realized that we could come together and innovate and collaborate with his nanotherapy, with our discovery and clinical understanding of cancer and cancer prevention, figure out a way to combine the two to possibly make a new medicine. And as you mentioned, so we're here at Startup Health, and what Dr. Schroeder and I were able to do was we actually created a spin-off company, a startup company, through Huntsman Cancer Institute and the University of Utah, and actually have begun working to create the first prototype of this nanoparticle with the elephant P53 protein in it and to start testing it. And I have to tell you already, the results that we're seeing, at least in the dish, are mind-blowing. This elephant P53, this protein delivery system, is amazing. The cancer cells are all dying when they're exposed to this, this cancer protein. It's amazing. That, that's taken 55 million years to develop. I mean, it's it. Nature is going to be much smarter than we ever are. Absolutely. So, do you see, foresee a time where somebody, let's say, gets up in the morning and takes a teaspoon of their P53? Absolutely. And, and and stays cancer well, free. Well, that's the goal. I mean, that's absolutely the goal. So. What I like to say, and you've heard me say it a couple of times already today, is you know I'm always very cautious to say we haven't found the cure for cancer. I am a pediatric oncologist. I still have patients that I take care of and treat. And the last thing, the last thing you want to do as a physician is overpromise and underdeliver. So I never say that we found the cure for cancer. But if I didn't believe it would work, I wouldn't have been spending all this time working with Dr. Schroeder to, to, yeah. to test it. But what I do say, Howard, and I do believe this, is that elephants have found the cure for cancer in elephants, right? There's no question. Elephants should all be getting cancer, and they almost never do. So we already know that it works in elephants. Now it's just a question of delivery. And so, yes, we do believe that there could possibly be a day where you wake up in the morning and you take your spoonful of elephant P53 nanoparticles, mix it into your favorite flavored drink, and drink it down so that people People will never have to get cancer ever again, just like the elephants never get cancer. That is an that is absolutely amazing. As a head and neck surgeon who, like you, yeah. treats patients on a, on a daily basis, I think it's one of the most exciting and promising uh, discoveries that well, I've heard about. And I, just a quick story is, I, when I was in Davos last year with the vice president, I just have to tell you the 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 story about P53 and elephants and your work came up and. Literally everybody was blown away by it. Yeah. So I can't thank you enough, A, as an innovator, right. B, as a physician, C, as a person, 
for the hard work, the dedication, and the, the drive that you have to really make a change and a difference in, in everybody's life. Well, well thanks so much, Howard. And, and I'll just end by saying, you know, one of the most amazing things about this is, is the hope, right? I mean, nature has already figured it out. And I have to tell you, when I'm sitting in the room with patients and we have a new diagnosis of cancer, or we're telling them that they have a hereditary disease uh, to give them more cancer because they're missing P53 and, and it's dark in the room and sad and there's tears and fear. And I say, hey, did you know we're actually studying elephants? We're, we're working with the zoo, we're working with Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus, and, and these elephants almost never get cancer. And, and all the children look up and the parents, elephants, who doesn't love elephants? And just to know that there's hope. And that that hope is coming from elephants, I've I got to tell you, it's the most exciting thing that I've ever been involved in. We are working so hard day and night, Howard, to create a world, a world with more elephants and less cancer.